0: flipping the field a college football podcast about all of college football i'm your host patrick mayhorn i'm joined as always by co-host ryan donnelly ryan week two is behind us we have finished it it's over there are no games on monday this time around how's it going man how are you feeling coming out of the uh the second full week of college football of the year
1: man uh honestly it was one of the i mean really good week overall i thought I had a lot of really good games on really clustered in the evening slate mostly but mm-hmm. but just throughout the day interesting football um, the noon slate was pretty weak as a result of, uh, as a result of all of the weather delays that we suffered, especially yeah. like the East Coast, the Carolinas, and Virginia. Um, but uh, those games ended up kind of finishing an interesting time, I mean, throughout the afternoon slate and early evening slate. So it actually worked out pretty well. We're like from four o'clock to really until midnight, we had interesting games on the whole time. Yeah. Um, so that was pretty cool. Uh, the new slate I, I unfortunately had to be locked into the buckeyes which we will not be talking about at all um <laughs> and i won't i would not comment on any further or monitor <laughs> we long are long monitoring is. the situation in columbus
0: that's all i'm gonna say once again, that's again all no say. comment no monitoring comment. the situation we
1: are we are suspending my ohio state comments they'll pay uh-huh. uh for now yeah <laughs> uh yeah i will say really good saturday um i enjoyed a lot uh, I, I talked about it on twitter i think but just in general, I was kind of looking ahead at the rest of the schedule for the season, two. And we'll talk about this on Wednesday more, but it feels like week three, this upcoming weekend, might be a little bit weak. Uh-huh. But after that, we are just bangers on top of bangers the rest of the season. Like it's yeah. a very, very well-constructed slate of college football where the games aren't clustered too much and you have like three or four high-level games for like conference title applications yeah. every weekend the rest of the year.
0: Yeah, Yep. I, I would agree with all of that. Of course, this is, you know uh the the week that was largely centered around the evening which is uh when i was in logan covering a game down on the field and so i'm like desperately trying to (laughs) keep up with everything that's happening on the the little score app on my phone and i've i've gone back today and caught up to just about everything i needed to catch up to but uh the the main part of the saturday that i got to see was noon where you had like four games happening and they were all at advertisement for 55% 55 percent of the broadcast just <laughs> not not the most compelling football in the world but it did get better as the day went on um, <clears throat> we're uh, we're gonna break down all of this stuff but I will also mention here you alluded to it. Uh, There has been some pretty major news in college football in a couple different places, Michigan State and Oklahoma specifically, the former more so than the latter, but there's been big news in both places, kind of similar news in both places, Um, and we're going to talk about that in a lot more detail on the premium show. Uh, Ryan, how do people get access to said premium show?
1: Patrick, it is my subscribing to meetatmidfield.com, the internet's best college football website. A lot of people are, are calling us, now listen, we would never say this, but, but they are calling us prophets and perhaps even gods or de- uh-huh. deities. It's interesting. Uh, said I, a lot. I am yeah.
0: sa- I have been saying that. Have you not been saying that? <laughs> I have
1: been saying that about us. I've been sort well, of introducing we're, myself. We're kind of such. like, you know, Patrick, we, we do believe in a polytheistic religion where there's like, you know, there's a public facing God and a hidden God. And I'm yeah. kind of like the puppet master are behind the strings Like i'm the one true god yeah and you're kind of one of my manifestations uh uh-huh. um, a lot of people are saying that's schizophrenic of me that i just think you're <laughs> kind of a guy i you know you're just like yeah. a, i think i create in my head that i talk yeah. to myself for yeah. but it's not true i'm not doing two voices for two real human beings um, yeah, and a lot of people have questioned that, but it's it's not true. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, no, but they can come subscribe to me at midfield.com where I do run every single account on the website. It is me talking to myself <laughs> in 400 different accounts. Uh, if you want to read me, do that, it's a really well orchestrated play. Yeah, uh, come hang out, it's very fun. but no the' Mets sports have been great this year dude. I feel like they are they are humming along uh, better than ever
0: yeah it is it's it's a blast over there and uh yeah the the seemingly infinite number of voices just impossible uh, chorus of people saying that you're you're schizophrenic um you know like more <laughs> even than exist in the world uh you know people with several mouths just uh, they're hunting you down uh you're being yeah. actually gang stalked right now um well i'm always counting their fingers yeah that is good to do just in general <laughs> it's a good whenever you meet somebody first thing you want to you're going to want to do is count the fingers make sure that they are real make sure that that they exist um, and if there if there are any if anything is amiss there you're going to uh, you're gonna to to run away honestly you're gonna to want to just get out of there it's not a good situation to be in um, but yeah. meet at midfield everybody has the right amount of fingers that's guaranteed we, that's we right. right up front everybody has the right amount of fingers on both of their hands they have two hands mm-hmm. everything's good over there um and uh yeah the message boards have been a blast it's it's really fun to i've said this before on the show but it is really fun to just sort of just gawk at the ohio state zoo whenever you guys are playing a game come on um <laughs> it's it's enjoyable it's fun to look in there and see just like it's just it's a meltdown every every week no matter what is yeah, happening uh, is a disaster it's the worst thing that has honestly, ever happened it's,
1: it's- it's pretty incredible because like, like I'm really happy with like the size and growth of our site. I think we're doing really well. And like, you and I are pretty pumped about it. Uh-huh. However, I will readily admit like the major Ohio state sites, particularly uh, our, our buddies over at uh Buckeye huddle and Don in the eyes. Like they probably have anywhere from like five to 10 is number of subscribers. We have five to 10 times the number of subscribers we have. Yeah. And at halftime, of the Youngstown state game, our game thread had as many posts as both of theirs combined. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is just like, oh which God. is not, I mean, that's inc- like, like, and those are great websites. I Again, once again, I am friends with those guys. I want all you yeah. to support them, you know, subscribe to their stuff. We're not competitors of theirs. They're friends of ours. Yeah. Um, but it's just crazy, like, how we've cultivated, I think, some of the most insane and prolific posters. Yeah. We are. Uh, that. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> I think the more you talk about it, the
0: more you realize we are kind of... Um, I, I don't know if profiting would be the right word, but we are certainly encouraging what many might describe as problem posting. I think that we are. <laughs> that we, are... We, are we are walking a fine line. Where we yeah. have to write it in sometimes. Yeah, we are. We are stoking the flames of some maybe unhealthy people mentally <laughs> with, with the things. Oh, that, I'll, things I'll that tell you this.
1: no no comment (laughs) this time um however i will be telling you a story in the premium podcast which again if you want to listen to you can subscribe to me at midfield.com yeah Uh, by time you hear this it'll be available on that feed too, the premium feed uh i will be telling a story about an ongoing fraction within like the spearhead of the most insane anti-ryan day posters because there's a little little conflict developing right now. Oh, no. uh, That I'll tell you about. This is not what you want when you're trying
0: to stage a revolution. You do not want fracturing. You cannot have several different groups here. It's not going to work. It never works. I think it's
1: healthy. (laughs) I think it's healthy, Patrick. It's it's kind of like we're developing, uh, you know, uh, a vanguard. What are are the factions? Is it like, oh, one of them
0: thinks that he should be fired and the other one thinks that he should be killed, like ritually, in the the middle of downtown Columbus?
1: (laughs) You're going to have to hear the premium.
0: Podcast <laughs> I won't say anything
1: further here. I will tell it to you in the premium,
0: okay, um <laughs> yeah, but me at midfield, it's a good website. Go on over there and subscribe. Um, I will also say I'll shout out specifically for our interest. The new uh homefield tin Hat collection is really working out well for us. <laughs> um, you and I were both really kind of pushing for this. We were saying, guys, we need the ten foil hats. we need the ten foil shirts uh you're the only ones who could make it stylish who could make us look normal while we're wearing this and they have come through and so we do have to shout out homefield apparel homefieldapparel.com use the code MEATMidfield at midfield for 15 percent off your first purchase of a tin foil hat it's stylish it makes you look normal and it keeps you know just things that you don't want at bay it, it keeps everything away it keeps you safe in public it's uh it's good to have
1: yeah 100 percent. it's great man i mean i was uh I went by to the bar last night. Uh, uh-huh. It was fun. I, I accidentally went to a Georgia bar, which apparently is a block and a half from my apartment. Okay. Uh, I did not know they had, like... I, I guess it makes sense they have Georgia bars. I wouldn't expect one so close to me. These in like <laughs> like a Georgia kind of neighborhood. <laughs> they should know uh, better. <laughs> yeah, they should know better. However, uh, I went to a Georgia bar. There weren't many Bulldogs fans there because, you know, they played Ball State today, so I'm sure they were gone by, you know, 10 hours after kickoff. Yeah. Uh, but I, uh, I did see some Texas fans in there. Okay. Um, the Texas fan was as he should be doing, frankly, to celebrate, he was doing bumps in the bathroom and I had to wait to get in because I, I could hear him like yeah. snorting cocaine through the bathroom door, yeah. Sure, <laughs> sure. Uh, which was cool. But he was celebrating, man. He was having a good time. Uh, they're, they're allowed to do that. And Steve Sarkeesian does actually provide that via a federal, or a state-related program at, at the University of Texas. So yeah. it is something Sark is passing out to the fans. So it's good he's doing it in a safe environment.
0: Yeah. Well, anyway, homefieldapparel.com. Use the code Midfield for 15% off your first purchase. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, that's over the line? <laughs> um, yeah, there you are. Uh, share, uh, the theme of this ad, sharing the wealth. We're, we're, we're getting everybody involved. We're really just making sure everybody has a good time. And Home Field apparel supports everything that we said within the uh the the structure of this uh, pre-written pre-planned ad read. Uh we appreciate their support as always. Ryan, mm-hmm. let's talk about this. Let's talk about this week. Let's talk about these games. Let's talk about Kansas 34, Illinois 23 was not as close as the final score indicated. Kansas took a big lead yeah, early on not. and then Illinois kind of meandered its way back in and then Kansas shut it down late, which Kansas loves to do. They love to take a big halftime lead and then stop playing. It's just we're done. We've 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 done enough. We don't need to be, you know, playing playing anymore. Um when Kansas was trying, when Kansas was playing football, they looked totally dominant here. They were significantly better I think on both of the lines rushing attack looked exactly like what you would expect it looked it to look like. Jalen Daniels was excellent in the first half specifically, and Illinois just looked pretty outmatched here. It was not super competitive early on. And like I said, they kind of fought their way back into this, but Kansas was comfortably better.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, Definitely very much better. I mean, I thought they, they looked really good. Jaden Daniels, Jalen Daniels, rather sorry, in particular uh, was really exciting to see. And just like, I mean, Maybe it's it sounds like a negative, but, like, just getting to see him healthy when you know his injury history. Like, I appreciate every game I get to watch him play yeah. uh, at this point just for how often he's been banged up. Um, but, I mean, he was brilliant, 21 to 29, accounted for over 300 yards with uh, two touchdowns. Uh, Devin Neal looked great. He averaged 12 yards a carry. But in general, the, uh, the Kansas O-line was mashing, which I did not really expect. Uh, a lot of it was, you know, exterior runs. And they, they obviously were not willing to run to the teeth of the Illinois defensive tackles often, which is smart. Uh, you don't really have to though. Uh, Newton and Randolph are two of the best in the country. And that doesn't have to be part of your game plan. Yeah. But I think their, their entire offensive line and tight end structure did a really good job of creating good blocks outside their wide receivers blocked. Well, if they were getting Neil into space, uh, Daniels was finding space and design runs. It was overall just a really impressive game plan uh, from Kansas. They executed so well, they were clearly better than Illinois. Um, I will say, I thought though, I know he threw two picks, but I thought Luke Daltmeyer looked pretty good for Illinois. Again, yeah, he's been a pleasant surprise this season. Yeah, I, I he is. Um,
0: I I think he's significantly more capable at his best than what Illinois has been doing at quarterback generally. That would be the first thing that I would yes. say about him is that he is when he's playing well, he looks like a good college quarterback. He <laughs> the ball goes to the right place and it goes twenty yards further than it you know would have last year um that is a big plus for them the the other side of that the negative side of that is that he was sacked i'm seeing here six times um is that correct Mm -hmm. that's that's going to be a problem i think if you're illinois you cannot have him being sacked six times against a defense that isn't like that good i don't think kansas's defense is going to be sacking quarterback six times a game very often this season illinois's offensive line was just rough it was it was really rough
1: yeah, I, I will say though that I mean Austin Booker was eating. Um, he was, I thought, really, really good. Yeah. Uh, he is a a Minnesota transfer that also Illinois tried to get. So I think losing him, uh, <laughs> losing him for, for 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 Illinois to lose him to Kansas in the transfer portal was pretty tough. Yeah. Uh, I thought he was brilliant again. Uh, Austin, or no, no, I just said Austin Booker, but Jareem Robinson looked pretty good. Um, overall, this like Kansas defense had a lot more players than I thought they would. And they're all pretty young guys. I know, like, Craig Young is a senior at this point in time, and I think uh, Kobe Bryant might be as well. Uh, Kobe spelled C-O-B-E-E. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of the players in their defense are, are younger players who still have quite a bit of experience and should be back again next year. Yeah. Um. So pretty encouraging for this defense.
0: Yeah, pretty encouraging in general for Kansas. I, I think that they are firmly, you know, on track with what we were hoping they would be this year. The offensive line looks really good. They look like they have another year of experience within the system. They understand it well. They're well coached. Um they look good. They look really good in a Big 12 that I think is wide open. I think they could do a lot of damage. Um next up here, Notre Dame 45, NC State 24. This one was one of the many East Coast games, as you mentioned, that I believe was delayed for at least a little bit. It uh, it was close there for a while. It was close into the into the second half, maybe even into the fourth quarter. I don't remember exactly. Into the exactly. fourth quarter yeah, for into, sure. Into the fourth yeah. quarter, and then NC State. Um, this was a this was an all time pants shitting from <laughs> NC State, and this is a program that yep. has shit its pants a lot. These guys have a lot of experience shitting their pants. This was among the worst that they have had. Um, they. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ, it was really bad. It was really, really rough. They had a chance, I think, to drive down and maybe tie the game in the fourth quarter, and everything just kind of fell apart from there.
1: Not even drive down. What happened is NC State was down 24-10. They went on a seven-play, 75-yard drive uh, for a touchdown. that ended with about three minutes left in the third quarter to make it 24-17. Then they came out and forced a Notre Dame fumble, a strip sack on Sam Hartman with two plays at Notre Dame's next drive, Uh recovered. Notre Dame 17, probably got one yard on four plays and missed the field goal. <laughs> uh Then they were still okay, still momentum. They forced yeah. Notre Dame punt, got the ball back, still could have scored and tied it up. And then Brent Armstrong threw an interception. Uh, Notre Dame converted off that. They uh, had a short field and scored a touchdown to get 31-17. Yeah. Brent Armstrong threw another interception. Notre Dame scored again on a three-play, <laughs> a 16-yard touchdown drive on another short field. NC State turned it over on downs, and Notre Dame scored again. Another short field. (laughs) They started a drive at their own forty-five. So just basically, NC State was one hundred percent in this game in the fourth quarter, and just shot themselves in the dick. And one of the most spectacular ways I've ever seen. (laughs) Unfortunately, this is the Brandon Armstrong experience. We talked about it when he transferred there. Yeah, it's kind of who he is. Um, I was pretty impressed with Tony Gibson's defense for NC State. I know it looks bad, and the final score is 45-24, to 24, yeah. but the amount of short fields the offense gave Notre Dame was I would not put on uh, NC State's guys. I thought they played pretty well on defense, and they just could only do so much after being on the field so often. Yeah,
0: I think that that's fair. It's, it's again, <clears throat> kind of hard to know exactly what to take from this with Notre Dame. Um, I think that their rushing attack was generally pretty good. That's that's really been the only thing I could I could say about Notre Dame so far is that their rushing attack looks generally pretty good, and their defense. Yeah, uh, Audric Estime is good. Yeah, yeah I think Audric Estime yeah. is good. I think that the offensive line is a Notre Dame offensive line. Um, the defense, you know, took what NC State gave it in the fourth quarter and generally. Did to NC State's offense? I think what most capable defenses should do. They held them to 35 success rate. Not a whole lot of big plays. um This I don't. I don't think this NC State team is especially good. I don't think this offense is especially no. good. And it probably shouldn't uh, have been I, as close as it was. But it, you know, the thing with I Nick, also with...
1: don't want to credit. Sorry, interrupt. I don't want to credit Notre Dame's defense too much here because like. They didn't really get any pressure of Armstrong. He just yeah. sucks. Yeah, he does like, just he does just suck. <laughs> he, just, yeah, I mean, yeah. he threw the ball forty-seven times for two hundred and sixty yards and three interceptions. He completed twenty-two with forty-seven passes. Yeah. Um he, he was horrible, that. man. Like and, and they had one sack on him. They weren't getting to him. Yeah. He had all day to throw. He just doesn't process and read well, which is the same. Like, he's, work, he's working with Robert and I again, which I think had some people find optimistic, but like Even then, he had NFL receivers when he was at Virginia, and he doesn't right now. And if he doesn't have guys who can win one-on-one battles, then what does he do?
0: Yeah, he certainly does not have guys who can win one-on-one battles. I don't know if he has guys who could win against air in some cases because these receivers can't except for top 30 receiver brownie yeah of course he's a superstar he's a (laughs) he's a stud um these receivers don't catch the football even when he got it to them correctly like in the right place with generally the right amount of velocity you know like a quarterback should do um they don't catch it they don't catch the ball this (laughs) this nc state team is a is a pretty rough watch i think at this point they are not they don't look especially competent. They don't look especially good. They don't really do anything all that well. I don't know how much you can take from Notre Dame doing this, other than just yep. There they go again. Sure enough, Notre Dame beats another team that it probably should beat pretty comfortably. I don't really. I'm ready to watch Notre Dame and Ohio State play. I'm kind of sick of these two just dancing around it. Just fucking play already. Let's get this week out of the way. I don't need to see all this shit. Just play. I'm no more. Yeah, yeah. It's there's no point
1: to this. They're both just you know. Pussyfooting around the whole yeah, thing. We're wasting yeah, time. We can go to the next game here. Um the next game is Ole Miss at Tulane. Uh, oh. again, the final score we're jump, says we're jumping ahead. Oh, oh, oh let's <laughs> well, skip by a whole section. Just <laughs> okay. kidding. The next game is Utah at Baylor. There we go. Um which uh man, speaking of shooting yourself in the fucking foot, mm-hmm. Baylor had this one. Yeah. They had this one. Uh they had been stifling the Utah offense. Uh, the entire day. Of course, it's worth noting here how injured Utah is. We talked about previously. Yeah. You guys all know about this. We don't have to repeat it too much. But uh no man, Baylor had a 13 to six lead, uh I think as late as two minutes left in the fourth quarter. Uh and then I mean Utah had a 15 play 88 yard touchdown drive. Yeah. Uh, it started with about 10 minutes left in the fourth, forward with one fifty nine left. Then promptly uh <laughs> Baylor came out and Sawyer Robertson threw a terrible interception to Cole Bishop. Uh, inside uh, scoring position for Utah. Yeah. They had another six-play touchdown drive uh, that basically they finished with 17 seconds left. And uh, Baylor did get down the field for a chance to kick a field goal, but could not get it. Um, they uh, they had an incomplete pass. I mean, they were at the Utah 22 with yeah. one second left. They had really to kick a field goal. They had to throw a ball, but
0: there was um, – there. it was kind of a, a controversial non-call from what I remember throwing it into the end zone. It would have been to tie the game if he caught the ball and then they also kicked the extra point. Um, and the Utah defender, I mean, he was kind of all over the receiver in the corner of the end zone. I think it was a it, – it was a fair complaint from, from Baylor people that there probably should have been play action or a, a pass interference there for no re- for no other reason than just like – that's probably not the play that a game should end on. You should just, you know, not be able to just interfere in the end zone on the last play of the game. But I think it was it was close enough that you can understand not calling it in that situation. And also, um, Baylor did not deserve to win this football game at all, uh, given how injured Utah is. And Baylor, of course, is also somewhat injured um you said sawyer robertson's name there which is never something you want to hear when you're talking about a a baylor football game um no but uh it gave up a like you said like a 20 play touchdown drive to nate johnson you can't do that if you want to win a football game you can't do that with like two minutes left that's not that's not going to get the job done um no good on utah especially for avoiding an extremely obvious upset here, right? Like this is a classic way for Utah to lose a stupid game early in the season.
1: Um, And they didn't. So good for them. It's especially frustrating though, too, for Baylor, because man, I mean, you needed that momentum win so bad. Like Mm -hmm. you get that that win and all of a sudden a lot of other games, like even if it wasn't a real Utah team based on those injuries, a lot of other games on your schedule feel winnable. You have more confidence after the Texas state disaster, but um, they get a win against Long Island next week. But after that, they play Texas, UCF, Texas Tech, Cincinnati oh. all right in a row. Oh, um, man. Which, that's... I mean, this could be a team that's one and six going into the final few weeks of its season. Yeah. Um, pretty easily. Yeah. And they, they probably find a way to get one of those games, I think. Uh, I don't think UCF, Texas Tech, or Cincinnati are world beaters. Like they probably find a way to get one. Yeah. But it's just not a good position to be in right now. I don't know. I am starting to lose faith or maybe have already lost in Dave Aranda. I think we might have been wrong on him. Yeah, it seems like that could be
0: uh, that is a distinct possibility at this point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think we're gonna, yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna check the tape on that. Just one. Shuffle that one off to the yeah. side. <laughs> <laughs> not our best, uh, not not our best moment. Um, Big Twelve coach who we do believe in, who who uh, continues to deliver here. Kansas State forty-two, Troy thirteen. Um, I'll speak for the Troy side of things here. This is they did basically every single thing in this game that you don't want to do if you're trying to pull off an upset at a P five school as a G five school. Um, They turned the ball over four times. Their offense basically got nothing going other than explosive plays, and they didn't have enough of those to survive on. Um, They, I think, (laughs) weren't especially good in situational play calling or playing. Uh, Their third down success rate was 35%. Their red zone success rate was 33%. They, uh, pretty much you can't possibly do any worse <laughs> as a as a prospective upset bid uh, than they did here? They really fucked this up in pretty much every possible way. Um, this was not especially compelling here from from Troy. They didn't really seem ready to go for this.
1: No, pretty bad, pretty bad game prep. Uh, Kansas State, though, I mean, used to look pretty good. The offensive yeah. line, I think, was was uh, fantastic. They only allowed one sack all day. Uh, they consistently got rushing production. It wasn't anything incredible, but they got, I mean, four point two yards per carry. You'll take that all day Mm -hmm. Uh, for the most part. uh, They still don't really have an offensive playmaker that's going to replace anything like what Deuce Vaughn did. But I think... Uh, Tray Sean Ward's and, and DJ Giddens have looked solid. I like uh, good enough, uh, you know. I liked yeah. what I saw from
0: Philip Brooks as well when they were going to him. I think he can make some plays out wide. I'd like to see him get the ball more. Um, they went to him a ton on yeah. like the first drive, basically, and then they didn't again for a lot of the rest of the game. I'd like to see more of him. I think, I think, Troy, I think, I think, think Troy shaded
1: some coverage this way, too. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. I like him. I think that they probably need a second guy who isn't him out wide just so that you can't, you know, completely shut him down um because he's not you know a superstar he's not somebody who's going to be open every play no matter what but yeah i like what i'm seeing here from kansas state they look physical they look well coached they look like kansas state they look like what i think we were hoping yeah. they would look like they feel to me if i was picking today a big 12 champion i would probably pick kansas state they look good
1: yeah well you know they do have an iowa transfer on the roster at receiver so i'm sure he's yeah. due for a breakout Yeah, something uh, like coming here. up here
0: yeah I think yeah. that that probably um, that well is going to just keep on working for everybody. I think it's probably wasn't it just uh-uh. a one time yeah. thing.
1: <laughs> That's right. Um, all right. Uh, the other game of this slate was two other games. Uh, the biggest one was probably Colorado beating Nebraska thirty six mm-hmm. to fourteen. Um, one of the worst football games I've ever watched in my time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh. <laughs> this was pretty. This was
0: pretty nasty. Nebraska had five turnovers. Colorado had two. Um, Colorado really just kind of. Took this one. Nebraska doesn't want to win football games, and Colorado does, and so I think that's really what happened here. I don't know that Colorado is actually this significantly better than Nebraska, but Nebraska is pretty bad, and
1: Colorado has competent players, and they were they were better. They were quite a bit better. They were definitely better. I also i don't i don't want to be the guy to shit on Colorado because I do think it is a cool storyline and like Dion's a fun character, and I'm happy for Colorado fans experiencing some success again. Yeah, but like. I understand it with the stat line, Stur Sanders passed from those four hundred yards. You know, they had the big pregame, not quite scuffle, but you know, he was like out there. Did you see that? The whole thing with him and, and uh the no. Nebraska team on the logo? No. Uh okay. Nebraska does their pregame huddle, they did it on the Colorado Buffalo's logo. Great. Uh and Shadur did not like that so he came up and stood in the middle of their huddle and start warming up, yeah. Uh, and basically, it was then he like uh, was getting confronted by a Nebraska player and he flashes Rolex in his face, uh. which is pretty funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which again, people don't like that because it's cool because it's Shadur, yeah, and it's like the Sanders family, but that is just a rich kid, uh, like flashing his dad's wealth to someone else, yeah. Um, of course, I, I will say, on uh,
0: real quick on that, um, Nebraska might want to win a football game before they start doing shit like that. Why are they so obnoxious about it? you guys haven't won a a football game yet? Maybe win a football yeah. game and then we can talk. <laughs> then you can start. 100%. Then you can start bragging about how you're gonna you're gonna kick somebody's ass and and you know doing your huddle on their logo. Win a game first, motherfucker. You yeah, have a new serious. coach and you haven't done anything. <laughs> Come yeah. on.
1: I, I don't really get that one. I don't. I, I don't know if they do that every game or something. I'm sure there's some Nebraska fan listen to this that can tell us. But I, I have a couple buddies who raid for them. I can I can reach out to. But it's a pretty weird thing. That's a rule tradition. Yeah. It seems unnecessarily confrontational. <laughs> Yeah, especially when you Um,
0: suck. When you're not good yet, you really can't get away with that. At least be good and do that, right? Like, if you're good and you're doing that, then, yeah, you can go prove it on the field. But what they're proving on the field is that they stink really bad, that Jeff Sims is their quarterback. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you're fucked. I don't know what you're – what are you going to get out of this? You're just – a bunch of people are going to chirp you after the game. That's what you're signing up for when you're doing this at at Nebraska right now.
1: Yeah, and speaking of Jeff Sims, too, I I don't want to, like – I don't want to take too many victory laps to Nebraska fans. They've had one of the most miserable existences in all of football for the last few years. Uh But this is like something that people who don't really watch games were hyping up. Like, oh, new transfer quarterback, Matt Rule. Like, it's maybe Nebraska has something. And then also people getting too down in Nebraska after this game as well. Like, yes, obviously they're going to be bad this year. Every Matt Rule team ever has been bad their first year. That's what he does. That's his whole thing. Yeah. However, the Jeff Sims transfer is enormously stupid, and we told you so. Yeah. Uh, And it was obviously predictable based on all of his traits and habits. That was true with quite a few quarterbacks we're going to talk about in today's games. Mm -hmm. People just get optimistic because it's, like, a relatively experienced quarterback. It's not like – look, with offensive linemen, right? Like, I think that's probably the the number one position. Maybe even, like, safety where – Starts and reps equate to performance boost over time, the most I'd say. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: it's not like that with quarterbacks. Like you can actually see what they do, like you can see it in the numbers pretty simply, more often than not, even if you don't actually watch them. So, when you watch a guy and he sucks and also his numbers suck, just because he goes somewhere new for a new coach does not mean he's going to be good or change who he is. Yeah, he is who he is bad yeah he's bad i think Shadur
0: sanders is good on the other side I, i'm really very, yeah, yes. very he's very good the offensive line ahead uh in front of him is a different story um very bad but yeah. when he's upright he's very good uh and, and i think that you know nebraska's defensive line is Decent enough that it was, you know, it can make some plays in this game that I don't know every defense that plays Colorado will be able to make. But yeah, it's pretty bleak at Nebraska, and that's by design. Yeah. Like you said, this is what Matt Rule does. um Good on, uh, good on Colorado for taking advantage of Nebra- Nebraska yeah. being bad. Not everybody does that. Yeah, some teams don't want to beat Nebraska. They they try really hard not to, and then they do it anyway, but they don't want to. So good on Colorado for wanting to win the game. Um, yep. Yeah. Last one here at noon, I just want to mention James Madison thirty six, Virginia thirty five. That's a good program. James Madison. That's a good football program. They they just really, really solid. They turned over a lot of pieces this past offseason, season. some like pretty late in the process to uh to I would say Ole Miss specifically. Um Ole Miss just kind of came in and <laughs> took a couple players off the roster, just gave them a haircut there at the end of spring practice. Um, and mm-hmm. they're still good. They're still good. Virginia is not exactly the best measuring stick in the world, but James Madison no, but, is pretty But Troy next week is. Yeah, yeah, Troy is definitely a good measuring stick, and I think James Madison is uh, pretty comfortably the best program in that state, right? It has to be at this point.
1: Yeah, I guess so. I can't think of anyone. Yeah. I mean – Unless you think Liberty is in a better place, but... I don't. I think James Madison's been doing it for longer. Yeah, I think they're the best.
0: That's crazy. That is um, an indictment, I think, <laughs> of a lot of programs. Yeah.
1: That uh, is not what you want, necessarily. Um,
0: on yeah. the Virginia too side many, of too things... Too many programs
1: in that state, by the way. Let's clean that up. We don't need yeah. that many programs. It's like... Yeah. Let's, I think Virginia and Ohio both have too many right now. Let's get rid yeah, of some of these guys. Yeah, let's get rid of the two worst programs in the state, Virginia and
0: Virginia Tech. We don't need them anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just
1: we're done with them. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, on, on the Virginia side of things, man, it's just – there's just nothing here. There's nothing here. They're not building towards anything. I understand nope. the circumstances are such and that, that, you know, Tony Elliott – you have to cut him some slack. I don't really have to cut him some slack. I think he's a bad football coach. I don't think he's building anything. I think that this is um, done. I, I think this experiment is not going anywhere. The The sooner they get out of this, the better, because he's got nothing. They, there's just, there's nothing here.
1: Yeah, uh, it's not going anywhere. He's going to be fired, probably not this season, because they just got him and also the whole shooting incident, but he's gone yeah. in a year or two. Yeah. Um, Uh, And like, I know it's, you know, easy
0: to say this about Virginia and it's, you know, well, he was just starting, you know, he was, he was taking over a desolate program. It's desolate because of him. It's desolate because he got there. He didn't, he didn't do it. They were good. It wasn't that long ago. They were good. (laughs) They were
1: good like three years ago. It's just him. And he he got a lot of guys to stay for him too. Yeah. And uh, he didn't do anything with them. He had experience and they were still bad. Um. Yeah. It's his fault. 100%. He's a bad coach. But he's, he's a bad coach. Um, let's, let's move to the afternoon slate where an ACC team did get a victory. Oh, yeah. Uh, Miami whooped on Texas AM. I know the score looks relatively close 48 uh, 33. But man, the second half of that game. Uh, after uh, Texas A&M, uh, was outscored 41 to 16 in the final 43 minutes of that game. Yeah. Uh, so basically after the first quarter, it was 41 to 16, uh, for Miami. <laughs> I mean, that was, uh.
0: Oh, my God. yeah,
1: it was it was com- nasty. It was yeah, it was comprehensive. Miami
0: did it also on fifty four plays to texas a and m's eighty two which is always it, it, when when you have a play differential that significant in a in a losing effort, that's that's usually a pretty good indicator.
1: <laughs> that things were working Dude. a lot better on one side of the ball. I've seen a lot of AM fans like big upping Connor Wegman after that game. Oh my god.
0: I so I, I went through and I took notes on this one, and one of the big notes that I have here, I actually have it circled a couple times. Um does Connor Wegman ever make like big throws? Ever? Does he ever do no. he it's just fucking dump offs and then him chucking and hoping for the best. He's not seeing shit. This guy can't see. He's not he's got nothing going on in his head.
1: He hit a couple, like, over the middle to Evan Stewart, I thought. Yeah. Um, he throws the shit out just, of the ball. I mean, he's he's throwing it a million miles per hour. He just doesn't know where it's going. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and, and also, like, he does have one of the best receivers in college football to throw to. Like, Stewart is open a lot. Like, yeah. That guy also, he catches everything. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. I just thought, and, like, I, I can't say I was, like, blown away by Miami. Like, I know everyone's, like, creaming their pants over Tyler to Dyke's like, stat line. Mm-hmm. He was good. I mean he, he, he was good. He was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean but I don't think it was a situation where like Miami came out here and like whooped their ass. I thought A and M kinda of shit their pants a little bit. Uh they had, you know, three turnovers. Um they I, I think what happened basically is that
0: um eventually Texas A and M shit their pants and then Miami whooped their ass. I think Miami kinda of yes. waited yeah, for yeah, yeah. yeah, I think Miami kinda of waited until Texas A and M was was uh you know, <laughs> incapacitated by its own behavior, and then it really kind of went it's, to work on them. Which is, that's, you know, like that's the Miami a, big, a big
1: matchup. It, you know, like in a big matchup or a fight, they always say like you wait to see until someone blinks Yeah, it was it, kind of like both of these teams were blinking nonstop, <laughs> and then someone waited till the other guy fell asleep. Is what happened. Uh, <laughs> they're, t- they're two sleepy guys on the couch, yeah. you know, and both their eyes are nodding off, and eventually one of them falls asleep, and their guy robs them. Yeah, that's what that's what it seemed like. It was yeah. like two. Yeah, it was two heroin addicts and a like, and uh you know, <laughs> uh, and one of them is better at handling his drugs than the other. Yeah, uh, that's the game between Miami and Texas A and M. Um, no, it's a good win for Miami. It's their best win in a long time. They haven't had a big win in several you know. years. Yeah, several years. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. I I think in general. Miami did a good job of covering up of better covering its weaknesses than Texas A&M did Um, and I I also think like Texas A&M is just not well coached at all They're they're not well coached even a little bit they don't really have an identity on either side of the football um it Seems increasingly like the only reason their defense was good was because of Mike Elko, who is not here anymore. Um, like, all that talent that they have, they're not using it for anything. These guys are like I said, horribly coached. They're in the wrong place consistently. They can't tackle at all, like even a little bit. Um, the defensive line is a nightmare. The, the, for, for how talented it is, you can't tell. You, you cannot see it in the way that they play football because these guys don't look like they have been coached. They look like fucking high schoolers. They they look like very talented seniors in high school. Um, and it's the same thing on offense. Like, I think Texas A&M has some pretty clearly talented players on this offense. Evan Stewart, you mentioned. um I thought Ruben Owens had a couple really good moments and could be really good if he was to go somewhere else. Um, but they're yep. just they're just weak. They're weak everywhere. They're weak in everything that they do. They don't look well coached. They don't look disciplined. They don't have a plan. And Miami no. had enough of a plan to take advantage of that. Is that the hardest thing in the world to do? No. Texas A&M lost a lot of games last season. But uh, Miami did have the the appropriate strategy for handling that. And I, I think they had a couple guys who really stood out to me. Um, Xavier Restrepo being the big one uh, out, out wide for them. That guy is, admittedly, I will say, Texas A&M's tackling is bad. That guy is hard to get on the ground. He's he's slippery. He's a, <laughs> he's, he's a slippery little guy. You can't really... Uh, He's he's nice with it, but it just, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I, Texas A&M I think was more disappointing here than Miami was impressive, but Miami I think yes. played pretty well given where Miami was. Miami is improved. Texas A&M is the same.
1: Yeah, and also, I will note really quick here, um, neither one of these offensive lines was all that good. I do not think they, either of them were awesome. They were both like fine, but more importantly, both these defensive lines had a lot of hype coming into the year and both suck. Yeah. like just no development or coaching uh of course miami has a first-time defensive line coach they hired jason taylor who's an nfl guy but like usually uh, you know jason taylor was a a, a hall of famer in the nfl but usually when you hire a guy like that you you want to see him be a ga first or work his way up and he didn't really do much of that he kind of just came here yeah um and Texas a&m is everyone's favorite every message board idiot's favorite defensive line coach elijah robinson who has this ridiculous kind of collection of talent and can't do anything with it yeah um yeah, I mean, Durkin's defense looked bad. They didn't get much pressure. They had two sacks all day. Miami had none. Uh, there were very few negative plays created. Like, and I don't, again, we know who these offenses are. We don't have any reason to believe they are good offensive coordinators on either side of the football. Yeah, it's more of like an indictment of how bad the defenses were creating pressure.
0: Yep, I think that that's fair. Um, Miami's Miami's schedule sets up as such that they might not be very good and they might still win a lot of games because they are are in the ACC and like North Carolina, they have benefited a lot from being in the ACC this year. Um, But on the Texas A&M side, man, it looks like the same thing. It looks like the same thing we just saw last year. I don't really see them as being anything different than that. I don't know why we would expect them to be anything different than that at this point given what no, we have they're seen losing four them. or five games. Yeah. 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 They just, they still just look very good. I'm just not, they did. They don't, it doesn't seem like they have any sort of plan for what they want to be. They're just kind of going through the motions. Um, next up here, Ole Miss 37, Tulane 20, Tulane without Michael Pratt. Uh, my biggest takeaway here is that I think Tulane wins this game. If it has Michael Pratt, I was not particularly impressed with Ole Miss. I think that basically what happened yep. here is that Tulane's defense was on the field for the entire game and was tired at the end. Um, if the passing attack, I think, was more competent for Tulane, they win this game because Ole Miss' secondary did not look very good. I think Ole Miss' offensive line looked like shit for a lot of this game when Tulane's defense had the energy for it. Um, Ole Miss dodge a bullet here would be my was my number one impression. Yeah. They got very lucky with with Pratt being out.
1: Yeah, it's another game where you can't watch the box score, right? Like the box score does tell the story here. It looks like a seventeen point win, which I understand, but like it's not really a fair collection. Like you know, yeah. Tulane uh, scored. To make it a one-score, they the field goal to make it a one-score game with a little under three minutes left. Attempted an onside kick, didn't recover it. Uh, and then Ole Miss really got stopped for the most part. They only got four positive uh yards on their on their drive there, and they nailed a fifty-six yard field goal. Yeah. Uh which is just like I mean, that kick was incredible to be fair. That was good from sixty five. That kicker is a freak. Yeah. But that's come on. Like, like that's not a good decision-making process <laughs> like from Ole Miss to kick that field goal is not really good coaching. I think obviously it looks good when you hit it, but it seems like a bad choice. It's not a high percentage kick. They make that kick and then Tulane was out of it, right? They, uh, yeah, they, they fumbled and, uh, there was an Ole Miss fumble return for a touchdown. They gave them another score. And then Tulane yeah. turns over on Dallas. The game was over. That was a like one score neck and neck game that just turned into a blowout a blowout yeah. look on the box score late. Yeah. Uh, very competitive game. And like you said, I think Michael Pratt probably wins that game for Tulane. Um not very impressed by Ole Miss, to be honest, but uh I, I do think Tulane's roster is further ahead than I thought it would be.
0: Yeah, I think I think Tulane with Pratt could be very good this season. With Kai Horton. Yeah. Mm, he it's it's a work in progress with that young man, I would yeah. say. He he is not not quite there yet. Um, yeah, yeah, the biggest place... Also, that... Judkins
1: banged up in this game, by the way. Yeah, Jud- Judkins was banged up.
0: Judkins yeah. was banged up, and they don't have, some, for some reason, any other running backs on the roster. I don't know why they... <laughs> I don't know how that is possible. Uh, that he's the only one that can, you know, they can give any carries to. Um, but uh, there's just not a whole lot that Ole Miss did here that impressed me. Their biggest plays came when Tulane had like coverage busts and left somebody wide open. And it wasn't like, oh, Ole Miss created that coverage bust. It was just like there's a guy on the sidelines who's just standing there, and Tulane didn't cover him, um, which is not. Yeah. You didn't do that. That was not Lane Kiffin being, you know, some brilliant strategic mind. He got really lucky. I think in a lot of different places in this game, I don't really. I I've not seen enough here from Ole Miss to make me think that they're going to be anything more than maybe a bowl team this season. Maybe a yeah. bowl team. Um, they just don't. Unfortunately, Shield Shield is on trial. Yeah, we are putting Shieldwood on trial, um, <laughs> just in general, just a good thing to do. Um, yeah, it's it's frustrating here for Tulane. I think they could have, like we've said, could have pulled off an upset here if they were healthy, but that's how it goes sometimes. Um, you've got this one on here. I'm going to let you talk about this one because I, I don't really have any thoughts on this other than just general astonishment. Northwestern 38
1: UTEP 7. What the fuck? Yeah, I can't believe it happened. Northwestern beat an FBS opponent by more points than Ohio State beat <laughs> Youngstown State. Um, and scored um, more points, which to me was my most frustrating stat of the day. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe it happened. It's to me like one of... <laughs> it's a result of pretty much every fan of football would just kind of scroll by and go, oh. huh. but that is like one of the single most shocking results of the entire season to me. Yeah. I can't believe Northwestern did that. Like, I, I am... I'm impressed. Uh, they don't deserve it. Most of their players and coaches are shitheads who still support Pat Fitzgerald. Yeah. But... um yeah, I mean Gavin Hardison threw through two picks, the backup threw a pick. Uh I mean basically Utep just turned the ball over a bunch and, and Northwestern had a bonanza third quarter, uh where they put up twenty one points. But yeah, yeah, I mean that'll do it. Like that, you go Yeah, that's enough. Basically Northwestern Northwestern had a long touchdown drive, to start the, start the second half, uh then UTEP immediately threw an interception, put the ball uh, <laughs> Utah, on the three Utah yard line for had five for Northwestern.
0: turnovers. <laughs> UTEP had five yeah. turnovers. Their, their turnover luck in points was negative 16.7. UTEP lost 17 points because of turnovers in this game. Oh,
1: yeah, my it God. was nuts. That's too many. It was nuts, man. Yeah, I just want to mention that game. It was just kind of a shocking result, but no deeper thoughts. Yeah, good, um, good for Northwestern. Good, you know, good another- for Northwestern, I guess. Another game folks will scroll past that is worth mentioning is Tennessee 30, Austin P. 13. Boy, Joe Milton sucks.
0: Mm, that's weird. I can't believe that Joe Milton isn't very good. You're telling me this. I'm just You're, you're just telling me this for the first time. Um, he was an amazing woman. What So what's wrong with him? What is it? Is it that he's not accurate? Is it that he's stupid as shit? What's his problem here?
1: <laughs> that's pretty much it, yeah. Okay. I mean, they still put up like 460 yards. Yeah. But... It's just that empty Tennessee yardage they always get. Um, yeah, man, he can't make his reads. He can't get guys the ball in space, which Tennessee's offense requires. You that to is do. that's uh, insane
0: to not be able to do that in this
1: offense. <laughs> that
0: is how 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 are you not getting guys in space? It's all space. The whole thing is space.
1: Yeah, it's he's not getting them room to run. Like he's just not oh, a very God. efficient. I mean, he averaged six point nine yards per attempt for the day. Uh, doing that in Tennessee's offense is unbelievable. Like Hendon Hooker was very good, we know yeah. that, and the Hypo offense previously had Dylan Gabriel who was also pretty good. But like, it's not that hard to be Dylan Gabriel with like, the talent around you here at Tennessee. It should not be that hard. This yeah. should not look this difficult. Um, yeah, I, I am significantly down on Tennessee's long-term upside because of how much Joe Milton has looked. Unless he has a comp- like pulls a miracle game out of his ass somewhere down the road, I think this is a team that has a, a pretty hard ceiling because of him. Yeah,
0: I I think he is the kind of quarterback who can, you know, go nuts sometimes and win them a game that they probably shouldn't win. I think he's also the kind of quarterback who can and will go nuts in the other direction and lose you a stupid game, lose you a game that you absolutely should not lose, um, which is not what you want if you're trying to fashion yourself as a playoff contender. That is not the right kind of quarterback to have for that situation.
1: No, uh, I cannot wait for them to play – south carolina and texas and m and back-to-back weeks where just everyone is trying to give the game away on both sides oh yeah um that's gonna fun yeah. but uh, um yep uh tennessee sucks um <laughs> our other games this window uh we had another team that sucks north carolina beat app state 40 to 34 um i mean come on dude this is it, it took two overtimes to do it yeah Uh Omari on hampton was awesome uh, he, for North he Carolina, is, yeah. he was clearly the best player on the field. Yeah.
0: yeah, he he's very but, very good. Um, I I this was another one that I went back and watched and took a couple notes on. Um, North Carolina's defense is <laughs> so wildly horrific. so wildly bad, so wildly undisciplined in everything that they do. You can see again, it's like the Texas A and M thing. They're obviously talented. They're fast. They move around the right way. They look generally like a what what a good defense in college football should look like. You can see the talent the way that these guys play. But they don't know how to play defense. They don't play... It's like 11 guys just trying to do... They're trying to play one-on-one defense in football. It's awful. It is fucking awful. The defense is so bad. Um,
1: it, 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 State, also, Drake May has been kind of average so far.
0: Yeah, this is another thing. Um, this North Carolina offense is identity-less. Again, it, it's this, I mean, you hired Chip Lindsay, I don't know what you've expected, but they don't do anything. There's nothing on this offense that they are doing. The, every run play looks exactly the same. Um, they have like three <laughs> passing concepts and none of them are especially compelling. There's nothing interesting that they're doing on offense. There's no real deception in anything that they're doing. They won this game on talent. They had a significant talent advantage. And I think App State is uh, limited specifically in the passing game and, and also in the secondary defensively. I think their front is really good on that side of the ball, but the secondary had some issues. North Carolina, when it runs into a competent opponent, a, a defense that can hang with some of those receivers, um, a defense that can tackle <laughs> Omari and Hampton when he is doing just the same play over and over and over again. Uh, I don't think it's going to go this way. This this is North Carolina looks pretty, pretty rough here. I think that they are talented enough that if you put them in the right hands, they would be really good. They are not in the right hands. I, I don't trust either side of the, of the football for this team right now.
1: No, no. I think they are top to bottom pretty horrible um like we said when they played south carolina that's a seven and five team it's a four and eight team um that still holds here i am not impressed by them yeah uh i, I can't stand this program i am so tired of it just get it out of my face like just i can't wait till drake may gets drafted so we don't have to talk about north carolina again for the next few years yeah um all right so the last game in this afternoon window was iowa beating iowa state 20 to 13 um, it is a game we are legally obligated to mention. <laughs> uh, however, Wolf. do you do you have anything you want to say?
0: Because I, I don't really. No, not not especially. Um, uh, no, I I really I, I watched this game. I went through and I watched this game, and I don't have a single thought on it um iowa is is good yeah Yeah. luke lachey is good iowa is better at doing this than iowa state is which has been the same thing you could say about this for the entire time that matt campbell has been there why would you be able to do this better than iowa they've been doing it longer um he can't he can't they when they meet it's just here's a slightly better version of what you're trying to do and that's it that's there's the whole game that's it um, Iowa State just doesn't have yeah. enough guys. They there's just
1: there's a lack of guys on that team. Um I will say that the good part here is like there was some really good defensive back play. Yeah. Uh with Jeremiah Cooper and TJ Tampa on Iowa State side and Cooper DeJean uh and Sebastian Castro. Mm. Uh all, all four of those guys did really well. Uh the latter two on Iowa side. Good. I mean, impressive day, I think to Lee was actually pretty solid as well. Um he's a freshman who played a lot for Iowa. Yeah. Um a lot of good players under the secondary for both these teams kind of what you expect i do think iowa is struggling to create pressure again which was always i guess a possibility for them with how much they lost in the front yeah but they usually replace those guys and those they don't haven't found them yet uh and iowa state's offensive line is nothing special probably a concern going forward for iowa is that they don't have the pressure they expect to and they are rely on the that secondary that's fine against you know purdue and minnesota and yeah. rutgers but like when you have to play Penn State this season, you're going to need to find a way. They have two weeks to learn how to create pressure, basically.
0: Yeah, and and this this offense is, I think, competent at doing what it wants to do. It's just that what it wants to do is not doesn't have its sights set particularly high. Um, I don't think the goals are especially lofty for this offense. They just kind of want to run the same plays and you know hold the ball for longer than the other team does. Um, and Cade McNamara is just the perfect quarterback for that. He is exactly, he will just do basically, you know, the bare minimum. He 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 will accomplish the bare minimum. He will hit open tight ends when they are open. He will make some pretty bad decisions and throw the ball a little bit too far sometimes. Um, they're just Iowa. I, I think they are firmly just Iowa this season, and if they don't find a pass rush, they're probably just not going to amount to a whole lot more than, like, 8-4 and four where they win every game they're supposed to win and lose every game they're supposed to lose.
1: Yeah. Um I guess the the good news for them is based on this weekend every other Big Ten West team also sucks ass. Yeah. That is fair. That's something to think about. Evening Who could have seen it come in? Yeah.
0: Ryan <laughs> Ryan, we've made it to the game that you and I were, were buzzing with excitement here to talk about. Texas thirty-four. Alabama twenty-four. They're dead. These guys are dead. Alabama has died. There's nothing left. There's no juice. They are in the grave. They're in the pine box. Um, and they've got danced on by Steve Sarkeesian. That's how in the ground they are. They're 25 feet yeah. under. Steve Sarkeesian danced on your ass. You you are in the ground. You're you're done.
1: It's over. Yeah, uh, our buddy our buddy uh, Ezra of the QB Draw at Cavs Buckeyes on Twitter pointed this out. But the way you know it's over isn't just like one loss like this or three losses in a couple of years, but rather the fact that this loss doesn't even feel like that ground shaking. No. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of like oh yeah, I'll be able to come out there and look like who the smart people thought they were in the preseason. Yeah, uh, The pe- people who were helmet scouting thought oh, they would all figure it out and they had the recruits, yada, yada, he, it's fine. Nick Saban but smiled so much roster, during his press conference. He was yeah, smiling more than usual. Course.
0: That means they're going to be good.
1: God. Yeah, obviously. But I mean, like, I guess the biggest thing to me that maybe we didn't expect in this game, because we, we did think Alabama would look bad. Yeah. I think Sark called a pretty good game. Um, I think he made things easy for Quinn Ewers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quinn also hit a couple deep shots, which yeah. obviously he has struggled mightily with last season. Uh, him and Xavier Worthy finally got one right, uh, which hey, was a huge he, touchdown he, for them. That was critical. They got he, um, he, he, And I think Quinn got a couple, right? <laughs> Quinn, Quinn got a couple deep balls pretty right in this game. Quinn got a couple, right? And Jatavion Sanders made a couple of those look good for him too, by kind of getting the ball in the intermediate range and going for some yak. Yeah. Um, Adonai Mitchell looked really physically impressive out there um i think that the biggest question for me as to why texas couldn't win this game was do so they have any offensive playmakers and it seems like with sanders and worthy and trying to a lesser extent mitchell they do have that now like i think that you have guys you can trust get the ball to and make some plays not every week but like to get up for a big game at their best they can do this um, the problem, of course, going forward with Texas is can they actually get up for a big game consistently? Like, can they m- not lose the games they should win? And I think based on Ubers up and down track record and obviously Sark being 7-1 Sark, I think the answer is probably still no. They're probably going to still drop one or two that they should should easily win. Yeah. But this is a team that's much further along than it was last year.
0: Yeah, for sure. The thing that worries me with Texas is that and it's just you could say this for both teams. Why can't these guys run the ball, like at all? They they it's yeah. there's no rushing attack on either side of the ball here. Alabama's rushing attack is their their quarterback dicking around and just kinda picking up picking up junk yards uh, as soon as the ball is snapped um but texas like there's just not much of a rushing attack i think they were able to engineer a couple of a couple of nice plays when they needed them there was one specifically in the red zone that i liked the way that they drew it up but the line wasn't it hasn't been and wasn't super impressive in in run blocking i think it did its job well enough in pass blocking to keep quinn upright he wasn't Right. Well, I don't think, and they were sucked. trying to go at Bama
1: too. Like they were trying to like power run against them.
0: Yeah, it just it didn't, it didn't work. It didn't yeah. work super well. Um, and so that does worry me because you kind of you do need that as just a, a thing to keep you going because sometimes the quarterback is not going to play well. Um, especially this quarterback when he is when he's good like this when Quinn is good he's really 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 good. He's re- he's really really good. He's really hard to stop. Those deep balls were beautiful. Um, it's just, he doesn't hit them consistently enough right now, and if he does, then they become very dangerous, because I think that you don't need amazing playmakers for that kind of pass to work. It's hard to defend that kind of pass. Um, he just doesn't do it consistently yet, and there's, you need, I think you need guys to help him along, and and they got it here, like you said, for a big game will they do this in the smaller games? That has not been the case traditionally, and, and there's, a, there's a reason that they have been limited in the past, and I think there's the same reason it would be limited in the future. Um, but they won this game on the road against Alabama. Like you said, the, the the this didn't feel like a bigger deal is a reflection of the times at Alabama. Also a reflection of the times here at Alabama, this looked exactly like Alabama without any offensive playmakers or a quarterback who can save them. There's nothing on that side of the ball that scares you at all there's not a single player you go through this this list here who scares you on this offense Jalen Milrose certainly doesn't he stinks he can't do anything um
1: yeah I I thought it was telling that Jermaine Jermaine Burton did have one really nice play but that it was called back on a touchdown or called back on a penalty rather it would have been a touchdown uh he had some great yak on that play it was called back on a holding like he was the guy who at least does move well in space but he's not consistent right he can't win battles to get open he doesn't catch the ball very well. Like, he is a guy who has athletic ability, but like, that's your best player is a guy you trust to show up once every five or six reps, maybe. Yeah. And it's just like, like you said, there's nobody there. Like, you know, Milro can scramble, but he can't process. He cannot make multiple reads. He doesn't have his first read. He takes off or throws a pick. Um, he is exactly as turnover prone as you thought he was. And like, the answer, I, I, I don't know. I, this is crazy to say, but I wonder if Alabama isn't better off going with like Ty Simpson and just telling him to be a game manager yeah. and not turn the ball over at all and assume – because Milrow can't do that, right? Milrow yeah. can create plays for you, and probably no one else's offense can yet. And But Bookner is just a worse version of Milrow. Right? He's also turnover prone, but he doesn't have the athleticism, yeah. which is why it was baffling to add him. <laughs> um, Ty Simpson, who we haven't really seen play – does at least seem to have been accurate in his like scouting reports from high school and takes care of the football. Which if you can just do that and give yourself a few weeks to f- see if anyone else can make a play or if the offensive line gets better. And just like assume if you don't turn the ball over your talent wins out over sixty minutes, that will work for you more often letting try Jalen Milro trying to make plays. Yeah. Um he's not that good.
0: No. No, he's not that good. He's not really solving any problems. Is the thing like I get? Oh, the scrambles look nice, but oh, how about the, that fucking sweet? Yeah, Jesus. Um, <laughs> yeah,
1: we don't have Dude. to say it. We, we we both know. Yeah. yeah,
0: but uh, just in general, like he's not doing anything positive for the offense. I get what the scramble numbers say. Those are not always positive play. he's not threatening it's it's you don't have to worry about him really beating you down the field sometimes he gets lucky he has the arm to do it but he's not processing he's not reading the defense he makes a lot more bad decisions than he makes good decisions and he takes fucking forever to do anything the only thing that he does fast is run out of the pocket that's the only thing that he's processing quickly enough t- for this offense to function i uh, it's with him at quarterback man and just in general watching this offense I kept having the thought of like what does this look like in an ideal scenario? what is the best case scenario that this collection of guys looks like on offense within a, a Tommy Reese something that could be described loosely as a Tommy Reese system I don't see anything that looks positive from from what these guys could produce. No. It doesn't make sense. I this collection you, of talent doesn't I make think any you sense. Hope-
1: you hope that Travis be- or sorry, that he becomes that Milro becomes Jordan Travis or Jane Daniels. Yeah. Um and I don't see that at all. I don't see that from him. I don't think he has I don't think he has the head on his shoulders for it.
0: No, and I don't like, think I they just have don't the
1: think... I don't think they have the receivers for that. I, I
0: like the, you no. have to have guys who are open for that to work. Or you have to have a rushing attack that's dangerous for that to work. They don't have either of those things. There's no running back talent here that, that scares you. And the receivers are bad. Like these receivers are active Or if there is, bad. he's a true he's a
1: true freshman if he does. Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
0: I just – I don't know, man. I really – and then on top of all of this, on top of seeming just kind of incongruent with, with the different pieces that they have here throughout this team on offense and defense, these guys make way more mistakes than they used to. Stupid mistakes, unforced errors, mm-hmm. penalties out of, for no reason. Was it 10
1: penalties they had, I think, That's, uh, for like 90 yards? That sounds yeah. right. And
0: And just a lot of them not competitive penalties, not face masks, not, you know – Oh, you you were you know you you were going for a for a tackle and you and you hit too high or something or you got to the quarterback a little bit late, but you were you were on the run and it just you couldn't stop. The, stupid penalties, penalties that don't mean anything, penalties that have no possible benefit. Just guys making errors and and you see it even out of the penalties, just defensively, guys in the wrong place, guys not tackling well. They don't look like Alabama at all. They don't look like Alabama at all. They they look like a. You know, a generally a Dan Mullen Florida team. Today. Yeah, they, yeah, they look like a more talented Dan Mullen Florida team. I don't know what they're trying to do.
1: Neither do I. I can't figure it out. I don't really like. I I still can't get all the people who had them as a real playoff contender this year. Like I I just don't. It's just helmets, I like think that. all the problem. I don't know, but I think all the problems we called out were so obvious. Um. Yeah, man. I don't know. It just it seems like it was so glaringly obvious is going to happen looking at the roster that I'm wondering wondering where the confidence came from. And, and like, it's just another thing where you have to ask yourself, like, do the people covering college football actually take the time to learn about these teams? And the answer seems to be no, right? Yeah. Because this, this is what we all expected. You and I, rather, you know, us and all the meetup midfield crew expected coming into the season. It seemed like a, a very obvious outcome to us. And we're right. <laughs> Not to make it about we're right, but, like, Bama doesn't have it, dude. They don't have any of it. Yeah,
0: and it was pretty clear. It's not like we, you know, found some giant oh, like nobody else is seeing this. Like if you just look at the team, this is, yeah, this is what they look like. This is about what the offense last year would look like if it didn't have Bryce Young and it instead had somebody who was, you know, worse like at everything. Worse at everything than that Bryce Young was doing. Um, yeah, this yeah. is what it looks like. This is what that team looks like. This defense doesn't really have a ton of star power. They're not as well coached as they used to be. Uh, it, it looks like a team that's on the decline. It looks like a program that's on the decline, and it has for several years now.
1: I, I guess the upside, if you want to point towards a positive for Alabama, it's that Caleb Downs, Coley McKinstry, and on Arnold all look like dudes in the secondary. Like yeah. Those guys are all pretty, and Malachi Moore has in the past and was fine in this game. Like I think that's a group. The secondary can become a lead. And we expected their O line to be their best position group based coming into the season, based on what we saw from them like last year. Like their O line uh, has enough. Know, their their O line should still be good. But and, and the part that was baffling to me is like, yes, Caden Proctor a rough day at left tackle, but it was mostly the interior of the Bama line that was struggling in the run blocking game and also been the pass blocking attack. That it, it's hard, like it's hard for me to square how much experience they had in the inside of the line versus how bad it looks. Yeah. I don't
0: I I I think that the I I have never been quite on the same page with the confidence about the Alabama offensive line just because it feels like they've never actually been as good as people think they're going to be. Um like under this current this current set of circumstances and part of it is that the offense is designed the way that it is and they are blocking for a quarterback who's not processing quickly enough and that's going to make any offensive line look worse than it is, but I don't know it just seems like they're it, again talented, but kind of listless. It it, it doesn't feel like there's any distinct direction for what they're doing. And uh, you you plug in new pieces to that, and then you just have more listless talent. You have guys like Caden Proctor who just look kind of lost out there. Um, And they can make plays. They're capable of turning it on and excelling. They had good plays in the game, but they also just have a lot of bad plays. They have a lot of weird plays that don't make a lot of sense. They have a lot of mistakes. They don't look well coached.
1: Yeah, no, none of it's there. Um, I think there are more losses coming, probably another two losses coming this year. Yeah. Uh, I I just think this was like, again, Texas didn't look that great either. Like, Texas couldn't run the football. They left a lot of points on the field. They had some clear, like, missed coaching decisions. Yeah. They cost them points. Texas could have beat them by more, and I don't think Texas was that impressive. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think it might be it might be Jover for Bama dude. It might be fully Jover. Yeah. Uh, I think this is like the end of the dynasty. I don't know if he retires this year, and you can argue these are some young guys here that could come back next season, but I just don't see it for Bama whatsoever.
0: Yeah, I don't see it. I don't see it getting better this year. I, I think that their talent is such that they're still going to win a decent chunk of games, but does not feel yeah, like probably they nine are, games. Yeah, yeah maybe does, ten games does yeah. not feel like they are anywhere close to where they were hoping to be and, and where expectation is for this program um next yeah. up here you know who else wasn't yeah yeah next up here washington state 31 wisconsin 22 um a, uh, there's a lot you can say here about wisconsin i i will say uh, before we say all of this about wisconsin i will give washington state credit here because they won the game um and i think cam ward played his ass off i think cam ward played really really well here and and Washington State played well enough, specifically on defense, but in general, the the I think the game plan was really good. I think their effort was excellent. They played well enough to deserve this win, even though Wisconsin fucked this up really bad.
1: Yep, um, that's that's all fair. I was impressed by Wazoo, like you said. Um, they are further along than I thought they'd be, um, but also it's hard for me to say this was like look Cam Ward was. Pretty good, I guess. Right? Like he—he he was pretty he, good on his feet. He has improved. I he was—he uh, has, has improved. He
0: is not a—he is not a negative anymore. <laughs> He's—he is a competent part of the offense.
1: Yes. However, Phil Longo absolutely freaked this. Yeah. It is this is a Phil Longo loss to me. Yeah. Um, there is no excuse in the slightest to only hand the ball off to Braylon Allen seven times. Yeah. Uh, I understand he wasn't killing it today, and he's a, but he's a guy that is so big and so powerful. If you get him into a rhythm, he punishes other teams. You ha- he is the best player on your team, clearly. It's not even competitive to see who's next. You yeah. have to get him the football. This felt like, it's obviously the same thing, but like when Ohio State in 2015 only gave Seek the ball nine times against Michigan State, Yeah, it feels like that, right? If nothing else is working and your other shit's not going well, just default to giving the ball to your best player and see if it can make something happen over time. Like, that that is – it's that simple sometimes. And Longo was – they threw the football 40 fucking times with the Wisconsin football team. Yeah. Like, I know they're going to try to throw the football more, which is probably a good thing for them, introduce new schemes. But you cannot have that out of whack of a run-pass balance, especially in year one of this roster. No. It
0: cannot happen. No, it can't happen. And – you know they, they missed a lot of opportunities in this game still, even with really bad play calling. They had chances and they didn't take them. They weren't very good at taking advantage of the chances that they had to score. They picked a lot of field goals, too many field goals. Um, they had three turnovers. All of this is true. Also true is what you have said here, which is basically what, what it amounted to for me as I was watching this game is Tanner Mordecai is touching the football way too fucking much way too too much infinitely too much this is the worst part of your offense he's the worst part of your offense he just is and it doesn't mean that he's a he's a terrible quarterback he's not I think he's competent but 40 fucking attempts he carried the ball seven times he carried the ball as much as Braylon Allen did it's too much it is it's entirely too much Tanner Mordecai this is a problem that SMU had with him too is that you need to keep him in small doses. It's not that he's necessarily bad. it's that the more you use him, the worse your offense is going to be He's just not it doesn't scale with Tanner mordecai. You're gonna get from him what you get in twenty attempts if you give him forty. Just twenty is fine you it you don't doubling it is not gonna get you twice as much production. He's gonna give you twenty that's it and <laughs> I don't know how they don't know that. I don't know how Phil Longo doesn't see, he's a professional offensive coordinator. What are you doing, man? 40 attempts? I, I don't care that the rushing attack wasn't working that well. It's better than that. It's better than seeing yeah. Tanner Mordecai's doofy ass running around 47 touches. That's too much. It's just, they ran 69 plays, and 47 of them included Tanner Mordecai either throwing or running the ball. It's too much.
1: Yep. In the, uh, in the third quarter, Wisconsin scored a touchdown to make the game 22-24. very uh, really close. Then their defense forced a three and out. Yeah. On the first two plays, the subsequent drive, uh, with about 14 minutes left in the fourth quarter, uh, Braylon Allen got a first down on two runs by himself. He had six yards, and four yards. And then touched the ball one more time the rest of the game. Yeah. Um, that's the game, dude. That's the game right there. You had a bunch of uh, of Tanner Mordecai incompletions. Uh, Chesma Lucy fumble. Yeah. That's a football game.
0: Yeah. They they need to they need to get that shit under wraps. Um cuz it is absolutely a it is absolutely a Phil Longo loss, and it is exactly what you what you fear with Phil Longo is just that he he hones in on the worst part of his offense and he hits it over and over and over again. Time to hammer the worst thing that I have. It is a really really nasty instinct, yeah. and I don't know why they're letting him do it. I, it's just when
1: he's tra- when he's trailing, he builds the entire plane out of Ryan Day's uh, third down offense. Yeah, yeah. It is. Uh, it was bad. It, it was. It
0: was really not good from them um disappointing from Wisconsin on the on the Washington state side again great for them very happy for those guys i think that they have obviously been through a lot these last couple months um and i am uh, i'm glad to see any sort of washington state or oregon state success this season i think they deserved the win wisconsin absolutely did not but jesus phil longo you got to get your shit figured out is it is you are he is too old to be doing this entirely too old it is not I, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of seeing him do this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, on the next game here, we have Oklahoma being SMU, uh, 28 to 11. Yeah. Um, this was a one score game with, uh, as little as nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. Um, this was Oklahoma did not play well today. SMU was not that impressive from the team. No. Uh, they punted seven times. Jeff Levy was very off his game as well. Mm. Um, Jeff Levy was off his game off the field, too, but we're going to talk about that in the premium show uh, here shortly. But yeah, um, pretty ugly day for Oklahoma offense. Just very inefficient. Didn't finish drives very well. Um, they had a bunch. they think they had 12 possessions and only scored 28 points. Yeah, just not good enough for them. Just can't do that.
0: No, I it, Oklahoma's offense just doesn't feel especially dynamic to me. I think there's a there's a lack of skill talent, but there's also a lack of creativity in what they're doing. Um, if this is going to be the monoculture offense, which it is right now, Levy's offense, that that sort of Briles adjacent offense that everybody is starting to get away from, but it is still the majority offense. Um, when the majority offense is the thing that you are running, you need to be really talented to be the best at it like just <laughs> you're not gonna have a schematic advantage smu has seen this defense or has seen this offense it's their offense um you're not tricking anybody anymore it's not a surprise to see this defenses are built to handle it and oklahoma doesn't have the skill talent to do that i just i don't see it on offense i don't really see what they're trying to do here uh other than just be a less talented version of you know six other teams in their conference not less talented than six other teams in their conference but a less talented version nationally than a lot of teams who are running the same thing. It's not going to work. Um, their defense looked great. I, I think Oklahoma's defense played really well. Played really well. Um, SMU has its issues on offense. Preston Stone, chief among them. He has a good arm, but he is stupid as shit. He makes a lot of really bad decisions. Uh, and that ball kind of hangs in the air sometimes. <laughs> I think that those two things can combine to cause a lot of damage to SMU's offense. Um, I don't have a ton else on this one. I just no we're I don't good know, man oklahoma just kind of looks fine Their defense looked good the offense is very basic
1: yep uh next game we had here was Cincinnati winning 27-21 at pitt yeah um it's a pretty simple game right there were two really bad quarterbacks and pitts was First. Yeah, and I think Cincinnati um, so- was
0: much better at covering up for theirs than Pitt is. I think Pitt is trying to accentuate their shitty quarterback, and Cincinnati is correctly hiding theirs like the fucking, like the fucking plague. They are trying to get rid of Emery Jones in this offense as best as they can.
1: Yep, 100%. Uh, yeah, I mean, Pitt threw the football 32 times, and Jacoba completed 10 of his passes. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Like- it's like a 2003 stat line yeah i mean that's horrible and then he had the goal after the game to uh get mad at pit fans who booed them and booed their offense mm-hmm. uh instead if you're a grown-ass man you should not be moving a home team which is crazy if you're also 24 years old still playing college football on your third team. yeah uh, to be saying that uh the result was horrible and i think Pitt needs to probably bench him very soon and get christian will you out there yeah though you also had some recruiting juice when he came out transferred here it can't be worse than that right it Cannot be worse than that because Cincinnati we talked about lost so much from last year's team right this is not a team that's supposed to be this far ahead yeah we knew the D-line would be good and they were uh Corleone was dominant as he always is oh yeah uh, that Malik Van played pretty well like a few of these guys looked pretty good Jawan Briggs also had right his one of his best games mm. but you, you cannot Pitt cannot lose this game at home it can't happen Cincinnati's in year one with a bad coach and a bad quarterback you cannot be worse coach and worse quarterback than them. It can't happen. Yeah. And it is purely the result of Narduzzi's stubbornness, right? We talked about in the offseason, hiring Frank Signetti and keeping him and also going to Phil Jurkovic. he's a hometown kid, is just a horrendous choice, man. It's really bad program management. You shifted your whole offense to not be a team that throws it as often as you were, despite you throwing it a lot being good for you with Kenny Pickett. Like, when they had Jordan Addison, and Kenny Pickett was the strength of their team. Yeah. And they wanted to go be a more ground and pound offense. And they couldn't do it because they couldn't run the ball today. Yeah. so I have a veteran O-line because no one respects their passing threat. It's just a horribly coordinated and obvious offense with no juice to it. And it's all Narduzzi's fault. Yeah, I I think that the the thing that stood
0: out most to me here is that, like I was saying with the quarterbacks, I think this applies to the whole team. Um, Cincinnati, to its credit, to the credit of a coaching staff that you and I don't much care for, I think that they are at least aware of what they have. I think they are aware of their issues and their limitations, and they are pretty good at avoiding them. Pitt, it's offended that you would suggest that there are things wrong with the program, that there are things that are bad. This is a perennial, what, 7-5-ish and program in terms of quality. They've had a couple good years under Narduzzi. And he thinks that they are, like, infallible. He thinks that they can just do exactly what they want to do every single time they go out on the field. They can impose their will. And Cincinnati has better accepted what it is and has better accepted its limitations and built around, you know, avoiding them. Whereas Pitt is just doing the same shit over and over again. There's no reflection. There's no sense of, like... Oh, we're fucking up and we're losing games because of me, because of my coaching, because of the things that my coaching staff is doing. Um there's no there's none of that. They're they're arrogant for how shitty they're they are. They're so arrogant. Um and then you have on Cincinnati, you know, I, I think Cincinnati has accepted it and just gone to work. I think the lines were much better for Cincinnati here. Much better. Much, much, much better. Both lines. The offensive line at Cincinnati should not be better than Pitt's defensive line, and it was. And, and, I mean, you talk about the other side of the ball, Cincinnati's defensive line was dominant. Those defensive tackles were absolutely dominant. Pitt had no answers for them. Pitt didn't try to have answers for them. It just, it feels like Pitt thinks it's a much better program than it is. And everything that that they do, everything that has happened since that big breakout season has been a reflection of that, has been a reflection of Pat Narduzzi thinking that he's the shit when he isn't. When there's really yeah. not that much impressive about what he
1: does. I think he got lucky and he has decided that it means that he's brilliant. And they just Well look what he learned from, man. It was Mark D'Antonio, right? Like D'Antonio yeah. had a couple seasons where he way overperformed that he thought he could take any kid who's a three-star, no matter how many problems he had, and make him a productive member of the team who is a star for them. And that's what it's what cost Antonio. Yeah. And Narduzzi's is is more about coaching, but it's like it's the same arrogance to think that you can solve everything yourself. Yeah. And
0: I, I will also, I'll say, you, you mentioned it. Those Cincinnati tackles are nasty. They are fun to watch. Dante Corleone, Jawan Briggs, Malik uh, Malik Van, those guys are awesome. It was It's a blast watching them. That is just about the only thing in this game that was fun to watch, other than Corey Kiner, who's also really, really good on that Cincinnati offense. Um, I think Cincinnati, with those tackles and with this rushing attack, can be competent in the Big 12. I, I I I do. I think that the Big 12 is such that you can, you can win some games if you know what your strengths are and you play to them. And I think that Cincinnati is doing a much infinitely better job of that than Pitt is.
1: Yep. Uh, next game: Oregon 38, Texas Tech 30. Yeah. Uh, in Lubbock. Uh, honestly, I was pretty impressed by Texas Tech here. Yeah. I know that's an 0-2 start to the season for them. But uh, I mean, the problem is, speaking of just bad quarterback choices, uh, bringing back Tyler Shuck, costing this game, uh, he turned the ball over four times himself, uh, three interceptions and a fumble. That's the difference to the ball game, right? That is how Oregon won. Oregon had 20 fourth quarter points. Uh, and I believe a couple of them are off Tyler Shuck mistakes. I mean, that's just how Yeah, the, the Oregon had a pick six to uh, put the game out of reach uh, to go from 31 to 38. And uh, he threw another pick on their on their would be uh, game tie and drive, which is what Tyler Shuck does. He's he's a bad quarterback. Yeah, um, you've known this, and you still kept going Donovan Smith, who to be fair isn't awesome, but is the only player that kept Houston in their game, which we'll talk about here in a second. Yeah, um, it's he's he's it's just yeah. I mean, good game at Texas Tech and Oregon struggled a good bit here, but but still can't have it.
0: Yeah, it, it can't happen, and I think the the issue here for Texas Tech, <clears throat> offensively specifically, is you know what you said, Tyler Shuck, is not an especially good quarterback, um, but it feels like the only dynamic part of this offense is him running. It, it's like the, the draws that they have for him or him scrambling. These receivers don't really pop to me in any significant way. I think the offensive line is competent, but not much more than that. They don't run the ball with an actual running back all that well or all that often. I would like to see them do that more I don't know why they are so unwilling to do that um when Shuck runs the ball it works pretty well I I I think but it's just they don't have a whole lot else and and uh Oregon's defense also in this game not super disciplined did not tackle super well I think they were lucky to win um but they were they were quite a bit better in, in terms of actual like roster talent and that kind of you know bore out there in the end but uh Not not super impressed here with with Oregon. Texas Tech is is limited, but I think it did it. It did a pretty good job with what it had.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, We're going to go quick to the last ones here, Patrick. Uh, Give me uh, 30 seconds to a minute on UCF at Boise State.
0: Yeah, uh UCF wasted a whole lot of opportunities here. Like could have been, I think, a lot uh a lot bigger of a win than they than they had here. They kick a field goal at the very end to win it. Um Boise State, I guess, better than I was expecting it to be, but UCF gets the job done anyway, despite uh it was a Gus Malzahn special, basically. They they could have done a lot more here than they actually did.
1: Yep. Uh also Ashton Genty is awesome. Two hundred thirteen total yards of scrimmage. Yeah. He is great. Uh they are missing George Alani. Uh, UCF should not be in a game this tight with a bad Boise State team uh, missing a second-best offensive player. Should not happen at at all. Um, Houston Rice, unbelievable that Houston lost this game. I mean, losing to Rice (laughs) is unfathomable. This is such a setback for this program that was already not in the best place. Um, How does this happen?
0: I think that dana holgerson i i earnestly this you know what I earnestly believe this I'm ready to state this actual claim here. I think that Dana Holgerson has been neutered. I think that someone has cut Dana holgerson's balls off he he can't <laughs> he, he no no one no no self respecting person who hasn't been neutered would call a football game the way that he calls a football game. It's embarrassing it, it is it's this guy this guy fucking sucks. I'm sick of this shit. Um I like Rice. I'll admit that as well. I like this Rice team. I think they're fun. I think that what they do is very funny and I appreciate it. Um they won this yeah. game in overtime with three it was, it was the the three big plays were basically the same play all run from the same giant formation with no wide receivers and a fullback and two tight ends. Um, and Houston couldn't stop it. Good for them. That that's, that's awesome. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. On the Houston side of things, fucking (laughs) have some pride.
1: Come on. Have some pride. It also took them a 21, nothing burst in the fourth quarter to get it to overtime. Yeah. Um, like they shouldn't even have gone to overtime. They were getting their ass kicked all game. Yeah. Uh, it was twenty-eight-seven during the fourth quarter. I mean, Houston was horrible in this game. The only good player for them all day, pretty much, was Donovan Smith, I thought. Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't think Smith was perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But like, no one. Else, I guess Samuel Brown at receiver looked okay. He looked pretty good. Uh, but no one else really made a play. Maybe maybe Nelson's year on on defense, but just a lot of guys who weren't making plays. Um, can't have that. Cannot have that. Cannot lose this game. No, just an embarrassment. Yeah, really, um, really next bad game, program Patrick. loss. Yeah, next okay.
0: one here is Mississippi State thirty-one, Arizona twenty-four in overtime. What uh, what's going on here?
1: Oh man, Jane Delores sucks. Four interceptions. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> oh, my um, God. Just the yeah, just the Jed Fish game. Um, I mean, I do not think Mississippi State is good. I think Arizona is. Pretty clearly a better football team. Uh, uh, Tentowire T- T- Warr- McMillan was awesome in this game. Uh, Delora just couldn't see the football field. I don't think Mississippi State's going to be very good at all. They started off 2-0, but this is a good team that's probably going to struggle to make a bowl game. Uh, they're going to lose, I think, probably their next three games straight against LSU, South Carolina, and Alabama. Yeah. Um, just a game that Arizona had no business losing. Um, and once again, the SEC West is terrible this year. Another More evidence of it, which we have another one coming up here in a couple minutes, but just a terrible game overall overtime game um not impressed by Arizona in the slightest um yeah nasty work very nasty work from them yep um it was hideous yep. um all right UCLA 35 San Diego State 10 uh Dante Moore is awesome dude oh, he's boy. so good
0: he's really really good he made some throws in this game that i have not seen in a chip kelly offense ever i at the college football level ever Um, he's really good. He he's, he's really, really, really good. I think Carson Steele is the perfect fit for this offense. They really could not have found a better running back for what they want to do than, than him. I love, I love the way that they are running the football right now. I love the pairing that they have with him. Um, and uh, I, I yeah. think I think with TJ this, Harden, too, because TJ is playing well. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's that's the thing, is that one-two punch is really, really nasty. Um, and then you put more back there. And I think that uh, I, I'm coming around to the opinion that UCLA could be very good this year. I know that they were supposed to be a year away from being very good. Dante Moore looks really nice, and I think he's only going to get better as the season goes on. I like these guys a lot. I like this team a lot. I think their defense has improved. I think UCLA could be really, really good by the end of the year.
1: Yeah. I mean, their, their first, uh, three draw, their first two drives were three and outs. They scored four touchdowns in the next five drives. The game was over. Yep. Um, that's what they can do is they can just score fast. They can score from anywhere score any way. Um, it's a well-coached O-line, Chip Kelly O-line. Um, just a solid football team, man, just a solid team that can score. San Diego State's offense is going nowhere. Yeah, uh, pretty bad group, but but still impressed by UCLA overall. Um, tell me about Ohio and Fort Atlantic, Patrick.
0: Yeah, so just it's it's just uh, Ohio has court, has Curtis Rourke here, and they win the game. That's that's going to be the difference here for Ohio, I think, all season. This is a good football team when they have Curtis Rourke. When they don't have him. They're not going to win a lot of games, but they get the job done here against a, an FAU team that I think is going to be pretty good this season. Um, Ohio's defense showed up as well, but this was this was a Rourke special. Um, when they have him, they are right up there with Toledo as, as one of the best in the MAC. When they don't, they are totally mired in in, in mediocrity. They need him to be healthy.
1: Uh, I want to ask you two questions about FAU. Yeah. One, do you know how many rushing yards they had? And two, do you know who their run game coordinator is? Uh, is I th- I believe it's Ed Warner, isn't it? It's it's Ed Warner. Do you know how many rushing yards they had? <laughs> I'm going to guess by the tone of your voice, not very many. Five rushing yards, Patrick. <laughs> five rushing yards of the day. That is also accounting for a sack yardage. Which I know I shouldn't do. I mean, yeah. just jinguous. But, but come uh, on. It's – oh, <laughs> it's not what I think on. with with Russian with Russian yardage taken out that is 27 yards okay So well that's much better a step in the right direction yeah, yeah they need
0: that that needs to be a little bit better I think Ohio's defense is improved it's not that just improved. a little bit yeah, yeah
1: that's <laughs> uh ooh, that, um, that's ugly two quick notes of the night games here yeah. uh USC and Stanford um not a ton of take away here Stanford lost their quarterback and they're very very bad as we knew However, USC's offense is sick. Um, I know you're a Caleb Williams hater. I get that. However, uh, he was dealing 19-21 to for 281 yards and three touchdowns before he came out of the game. Uh, He also added a touchdown on a 21-yard rush. And Zachariah Branch is going to be a superstar. Uh, The way he sees the open field, he added another special teams touchdown. (laughs) That's two so far in two games for him in college football. Or, sorry, two in three games. Uh, He had a punt return for a touchdown that was brilliant. He sees the field in a way we have not seen in a long time. Very, very special player. Um, But, uh, yeah, USC's offense is sick, basically. Um, Sure. The other final game we had here, another Pac-12 game, Auburn barely beat Cal. Did you watch this game at all? No. No, I didn't. Um, Surprisingly
0: low scoring, I would say, based on what I had thought and what I knew about these teams. Surprisingly low scoring.
1: Yeah, well... I mean, Cal shot himself in the dick so many times. Yeah, that um, sounds about right. In, in the – going from their final drive of the first half uh, – sorry, yeah, the final drive of the first half was the interception. Uh, then it went to turnover on downs in, in scoring territory. They had a missed field goal. They had another missed field goal. Then they punted and threw an interception, and that was the end of the game. Um, they, they just – their offense could not move the ball whatsoever uh, but in, the, in the final, like – you know, 35 minutes to game, just nothing going, um, they cannot pass. They averaged 4.2 yards per pass with two interceptions and had less than three yards per carry. Um, there is just simply no one on this team on the offense, rather, besides Jaden Ott who's competent. Their defense is good. Um, I think Auburn's going to really struggle in big 10 play, uh, because I didn't think their offense was impressive at all. I thought it was pretty horrible actually with Peyton Thorne. Yeah. Um, who had uh ninety four yards passing the other night. Nice. Uh but yeah, <laughs> this is um this was a slog. It was not fun to watch and both these teams suck. Uh all should be very SEC play. Uh and I think they are. Okay. Yep. That that all
0: sounds about right to me. Um Ryan, anything else before we get out of here? No,
1: we're gonna go to the premium. We're gonna talk about Mel Tucker, we're gonna talk about Jeff Levy, um probably some other stuff too. Yep. All right, we'll see you guys then.